This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robert Washett later will be joined by Abby Barmore, uh, but gentlemen, the transfer portal is closed for business. It will not reopen again, technically, until after the season's over with. Um, so that is kind of a nice thing um, that we don't have to worry about following this thing every day from now until July. Um, but it closed up altogether. Um, Ten entries went in for Nebraska after the spring game, highlighted by A.J. Allen and, and Casey Thompson and, and that Stefan Wynn. A total of 21 scholarship Husker players have left the program since the hiring of Matt Rule. You know, it started out with guys like Ernest Hausman, Jaden Gold, um, and here we are closing up with A.J. Allen as the 21st player Nebraska's lost when you talk about scholarship guys. I think I've seen a graphic that said 25 players, um, but I did the – some of those names were like Mikey Pauley and, you know, a few other – you know, the, the, the kicker that went to Kansas – Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Winrich, uh, th- those were walk-on guys. But uh, Nebraska, when you take the total sum, they did have the most departures in the Big Ten Conference. Coaching change, so that you know, you'd expect a lot of that. And good, these are good players. I mean, the guys you reeled off, those are good players. Even Gold. I mean, you forget about Jaden Gold, but that's a good. He was a he was a guy that. That staff liked. He was like regarded as the best prospect in that class. Highest yeah. ranked high school yeah. guy. But you talk about who were the best two freshmen a year ago for Nebraska. True freshmen. Hausman. And Allen. Allen. Yeah. Where'd they go? Yeah, that's because they went into the portal. Those are losses. I mean, when you rip through them like that, that's some talented players that, that got out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, you prefer not to leave. I mean, Hausman goes to Michigan. Gold went to, I believe, Syracuse, right? Sean, yes, Syracuse, um, right away, and we'll see where we're see where AJ Allen ends up. But I read in your column earlier, you think you think those guys, well, AJ Allen and, and uh, Casey, end up in the SEC, probably, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Houston's a player for Casey. Houston, um, pretty much anyone that lost a guy that needs a guy still, um, you know, he's a, but Auburn, Auburn's going to get Peyton Thorne or Casey Thompson. I, I think. That's inevitable. Their collective is going to make sure they get one of those guys. And it's interesting to see Peyton Thorne go in. I mean, this is a guy that won the Sugar Bowl. He was a yeah, – I mean, the, or the Peach no, Bowl. No, no, the Peach, Peach Bowl. Bowl. The Peach Bowl, sorry. Peach Bowl, and they, that's the 11-2 and two season two years ago. Then they struggled last year. Yeah, Michigan State just incurred some significant losses. They lost yeah. their leading receiver, Keon Coleman, and they lost uh, a kid named Brantley who was a starting corner – in addition to Thorne. So I don't know what's going on there, but those guys are good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going through the page here. So A.J. Allen, Julio Martin, Noah Paul Gates, Casey Thompson, Braxton Clark, Logan Smothers, Sean Hardy, Stephon Wynn, Victor Jones, Richard Torres, James Carney, Alante Brown, Decoldus Crawford, Marquise Black, um, Xavier Betts came and then came back, or went in, Castaneda came back, um, Camonte Grimes is at Northern Iowa, Kevin Williams is at Charlotte, um, he left as an offensive lineman in the portal. Um, so you know, that that's just kind of Jacques Giant's at Florida A&M. I mean, okay. that, Jacques Giant leaving feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> really does. Uh, the quarterbacks, losing three scholarship quarterbacks in the span of, like, what, two or three days? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you go back to Frost's first year, Sean, and we were talking, like, there's at least two guys that left. Maybe Brian, Jebbia. Maybe maybe more. I can't remember. No, but uh, that provide. I mean, if nothing else, that provided a lot of clarity within that quarterback room. Now, where that's a good way to look at. We it. know who the starter is. Like that's no longer an issue that we no. need to talk about anymore. It's it's Jeff Sims' show, and now the only question is who's the number two going to be. What what I want to ask. So there was some questions about these some of these guys that left, particularly the quarterbacks, Casey Thompson and even Logan Smothers. Would the door still be open to them if they wanted to possibly return? I guess with any of those players, but specifically the quarterback. What do you so. think? You saw and and do you think there would be a, any likelihood 
of a mutual interest in that happening. Like w- with the player. I wouldn't think Casey. I wouldn't think Casey would. But Logan. Maybe Logan. Logan could come back and theoretically be the number two quarterback. Yeah. With, with, without Casey being there in front of him, he went from at best being the number three to possibly being the number two behind a guy that missed significant time with injury. It just feels like his exit statement that he yeah. made, though, closed the book. He did wait a few days before he put out his official exit statement when he entered the portal. But I would love to know the conversation with him and Rule. What did Rule tell him? Mm-hmm. What driven, drove him to the portal at that point? One of the big things that we'll deal with as we go on in our careers, and as it, as it means, as it is attached to the portal, is it's sort of frustrating because you don't, you aren't privy to those conversations. The conversation between the coaching staff and the player. It's very private. It's private. They're not going to comment on it, most likely. So we're just sort of left to get on a microphone and speculate. It's like trying to speculate what's going on in a doctor's office room. Like it's private between the doctor and the patient. That's a private conversation between the coach and the player. And the and the information is critical. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's critical. Otherwise, we're just just sort of less. There's some like Sean has said. There there are certain things you can surmise, and they're pretty self evident. Like with Casey, the offense doesn't necessarily fit him perfectly. He's you know, Rule and Satterfield brought in kind of a hand-picked guy. So Casey's sort of fighting this uphill battle. That's all. You don't we're, you don't need inside information to figure that stuff And Torres, out. too. Like, he's not a mobile guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a great arm. He can throw it. And mm-hmm. he's not going to get the reps here to develop. Mm-hmm. The thing you wonder is, was Casey, so how extensive was Casey talking to other teams before he made the decision? I would think so, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe he wasn't, but somebody. He's re- he, so Casey had an agency that he worked with mm-hmm. that represented all the way back to when he came to Nebraska. There okay. was an agency that worked with him at the very beginning. What sort of agency, Sean? Just a representation that helps helps you through the process. Now they I have those, huh? Oh, for kind of sure. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. I mean, Baylor Shireman at Creighton has a big. I mean, it's very common in basketball, higher profile. When when you're talking about six figure contracts yep yeah you're right uncle joe and aunt betty aren't going to be representatives <laughs> i mean you you need like legit people making sure the deals are square yeah oh yeah absolutely and they're and they, and they can be sean you're pretty familiar with it they can be fairly complex for these. sure and you got to make sure the language is lined up right mm-hmm. and a lot of these deals they get put together are for nil with the collectives you know, there's protection on both sides. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has a deal that's guaranteed for like four years. I think Florida had one of those on paper with Rashada, mm-hmm. the quarterback, and they realized how dumb it was oh. that they had all this money tied to a guy that could just leave right. at that point. All the collective deals are generally for your length of stay, and they roll over year to year. So if you sign right now and go somewhere in May, you might be on a seven-month deal that would go May to December. Mm-hmm. Then if you came back, you get a new deal in January or you're in the NFL. Yep. But it's it's very month to month. It has to be. The model is very month to month. I mean AJ Allen and you know, I, I I wonder if they got their payment for May before they went in the portal. I'm on guessing, Friday. Yeah, I'm guessing they did. On Friday. AJ Allen, Casey Thompson, they probably got paid Friday. And then announced. And then they announced. Yeah, yeah and with that, the agents are or agencies, whoever they're working with. Uh, oftentimes just kind of put out feelers and say, hey, what would the interest level be if if this player became available? Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times that factors into whether a guy goes in the portal or not. If they get feedback that says we're heavily interested and you know the, the market could be far more than what they're currently making, then that severely influences decisions on whether or not they're going to enter the portal. Jay Allen is, I mean, I got to think he's, a lot of teams would be interested in Yeah. No doubt. That's a loss. And when you, it's really interesting when you look at the totality of the, these names, you could really use those guys. <laughs> Hausman, first yeah, and Hausman. foremost. Like, I think he's the biggest loss so far. That's, I'm going to say AJ Allen. What about you, Sean? Biggest loss. Hausman's big, though. You're right. Hausman, I think. Just because of who else is in that room. Like, this is know. what I know about Ernest Hausman. His visits he took were to Michigan and Ohio State, and I believe Iowa. Okay. Yeah, it was Iowa. Um, but it was Michigan and Ohio State. Well, I was, and Iowa I, played pretty good defense last year, like number two in the country. Mm-hmm. When I went through his follower additions back when he went in the portal, 
70 different coaches in school started following him. Yeah. Like he, he, these are lost. Uh, Michigan looked at Ernest Hausman as the top linebacker in the portal. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's, that's saying, I mean, Michigan doesn't need to go for portal linebackers. I mean, I know people are going to get mad when I say this, but I'd look at the team differently. If, if, if it had AJ Allen, Hausman, Stefan, Wynn, Stefan, Wynn, and Casey, I'd look at the team differently. I would. I agree. I mean that's that's the that's life though that's portal life. Yeah, I mean every team has lost it's significant pieces. Everyone. Like yeah. that's just part of the game. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of in this inside baseball. Are they at eighty five scholarships part of things? And I, I put this on the chat. I think it's not really common for fan bases to really be this. Are we at eighty five scholarships? Like people are like you know like pant like they probably are like but there's a lot of nuts and bolts that go into how you get to eighty five. Mm-hmm. Whether it's guys that took that retirement package, whether it's walk uh, graduated older players that might move to walk-on status. Like last year, Trent Hickson did that. Mm-hmm. Then you got NIL. So there, there's a lot of ways Nebraska can be at 85. We have them at 88 because we don't know those final nuts and bolt pieces that would shave off three or four more scholarship spots. But you have to assume Matt Rule has this thing at 85. Yeah, or there'll be sirens going off at some point, right? <laughs> I mean, people like, we're not at 85 scholarships. What are we going to do? Like, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, that's how I feel like the questions come at you about it. I'm like, I think they're going to figure it out. Like, I think they're going to figure it out. I yeah, mean, I don't think there's a need. But there really is like this like panicky feel like, how are we going to get to 85? Like, it's like this like huge like tra- problem. Right. And, like, I don't, I don't always work it. itself out. Yeah. Always has, always will. And what are the consequences if it doesn't? That's <laughs> I mean, there are the consequences. You can't get to that point yeah. right like right. yeah i know it's back to the the plane analogy you mm-hmm. have to take three passengers off the plane yeah move to another flight and it always you works do. out you it gotta get them off the plane somebody's though. gonna take the voucher wow yeah somebody will take the vouchers and sit at the bar and hang out yeah robin <laughs> watch the giants yeah yeah i'll go spend an nfl sunday at the yeah. airport bar we'll yeah. talk to pete and the o'hare done it before i'll do it again bar that we like to sit at all right well <laughs> when we come back <laughs> we're gonna segue trip segue here um We'll talk more about the NFL draft, um, how the Big Ten ended up in that, how Nebraska ended up. We'll give our thoughts on all that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washette, NFL draft in the books. I am very jealous. Robin <laughs> was down at the draft. Gee, many Christmas. Eating yep. barbecue, drinking beer oh, with 150,000 people watching the draft. Yeah. How was it, Robin? It was it was fun. I'm glad I did it. And I also realized that it's something I never have to do again. Why? Uh, why? Why? It was a lot. So, was like, it? day one was just chaos. I mean, there were so many people down there. Like, and we made the mistake of trying to get up to the – so, like, there's the, the lower bowl – or lower bowl, the lower section where you, like – our VIP pay a bunch of money to go there. Mm-hmm. Then there's that next tier where there's the average Joes that get in for free, like me. Well, we got like really good spots right on the fence line. Did you really? Of that. And so like we staked out that spot, so we had to save it. So we were essentially like trapped with like thousands of people behind us. Oh, like you're at a concert. And, and once like, you get up, your spot's To gone. go to the bathroom, to get a beer, to get food, you're like knifing your way through thousands of people only to wait in line for an hour at a concession stand to buy Ooh. a $13 beer. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So oh, there you go. That got old quick. Yeah. Day two was way better because we just spent most of our time in the fan experience area and uh-huh. like did all the <laughs> events. Did I did the vertical. Did you? They said I got 33 inches. No, There's no way. way I'm jumping 33 you inches. You went 33? No, I didn't. I don't know. Their measurement was wrong. You're a Polish white dude. My 40 year old legs are not <laughs> putting me 33 You're inches a 33. in the 33. That's incredible. Yeah. It, well, it wasn't. So again, 33. But they made me feel good about myself. Did your friends have good ones, though? No, I was, I was, I got the highest. Hey, uh, and then we, garage I bet you Sean could, I bet you Sean could hit 30. Sean would hit 40. Yeah. <laughs> 
those calves. Those freaky calves. Uh, I did the Hail Mary challenge where you throw the ball into the basket. Made my first one. No big deal. Hey, uh, Rob had a good trip. Long story short, it was fun. Uh, like, it, but I don't have to do it. Can again. you like see? Were there screens? Like, can you see? Did you yeah. See? So, like in the fan experience, they have like big jumbo screens with audio. So that's where we like we'd keep track of who was picking, and then whenever the Giants would pick, I just go over the screen. And... Did you see anybody like up close, like a player, no. coach? It was <laughs> no. We were so far away from the stage. But after the draft, we went down and got to go right by the stage for the concert. Uh, f- I didn't go to the first one, which was Fallout Boy. I skipped Fallout that one. But the one. second one was Motley Crue. Jesus. <laughs> so I was, I was front and center for what Motley Crue. was that? Thursday, Friday? That was Friday night. Friday night, Motley yep. Crue. It, uh, It'd be hard yeah. to get out of hand there with this. Tommy Lee looks a lot different than he was when he was Does he? a student at the University of Nebraska. Well, one of Harvey Perlman's <laughs> proudest moments uh, doing a reality tv show with you remember tommy, tommy goes to college or whatever so, so there was a lot there was i mean it was noticeable in kansas city how many people were there yeah just around town they said they expected like vendors said they were told they expected over three hundred thousand for the weekend it felt like there was like 150 on day one is that right it was crazy just mass humanity what was did you ever have to get an uber no because we stayed close enough to where we could walk it was a long walk. I couldn't you could, even imagine. You could only go in through one entrance. So that was like the hard part. And it was like all the way around. But uh, there was stuff all around the streets. Like, so like the, it was fun. But again, it was just a lot. Like, that is fascinating. $13 beers get old real quick. 25 ounces at least? No. 16? Well, I don't know. Those are little aluminum bottles. So yeah, 16 ounces. 16 ounce. Wow. I'm, I'm really amazed. Well, Nebraska guys, two yeah. guys drafted. <laughs> Back to the- Back to Nebraska. Getting the ship back on the tracks here. <laughs> yeah, that was all right. Um, well, that was good. Some good stuff. I, I just want to. I, I, you're the only guy I know that went. So I, yeah. yeah, it was a bucket list. Actually, yeah. our buddy Mike Hewitt went too. I know. Yeah, I actually saw him. You saw Mike. Yeah. Saw. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shout out to Mike. But yeah. um, two guys drafted from Nebraska: O'Shawn Mathis, Trey Palmer. Neither a surprise. The surprise probably was O'Shawn went before Trey Palmer. No Garrett Nelson drafted. No. Um, Travis Volkolek drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Sipple. You were right. I, I just had to kind of Sipple. If you, Sean if you really didn't listen last week, Sipple had kind of like a stare down with me that Garrett Nelson was going to get drafted. And was, I, 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 I think Garrett's a great player. I just said I, I think he's going to get a free free agent deal. Yeah, and so he's he did sign as an undrafted free agent with Miami, and he was one of the thirty people they brought, thirty players they brought in. For official um, visits, for they call fi- it. like you call them official visits. Um, I did think he had a good chance to get drafted. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, come on, I, I wasn't overly surprised that Palmer slipped to the sixth round because you figured it'd be three to five, and you never quite know. Um, Drops kind of hurt him. I guess I was a little surprised O'Shawn went went. Um, really? Yeah, a little bit. I didn't know if he would or not. I mean, he went to the combine. Yeah, but so did Volkolek. Yeah. So I, but anyway, good for them. Um, I know I did. I did talk to O'Shawn, and he was relieved. I mean, really relieved that he. It's interesting how different players all kind of handle the day, handle the draft. O'Shawn said it was ner- intensely nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. I remember Lamar Jackson was a guy I'll, I'll never forget talking to him. He slid out of the draft if I'm if I'm not mistaken. He's still Lamar. in the league or not? Yeah, he, well, he was last year, and he, I'll never forget the way he talked about that day was excruciating hell. I mean, he said he went and walked around the block and and just, he said it was terrible. Um, O'Shawn kind of portrayed it that way. On the other hand, Trey Palmer was like, no, I wasn't stressed out. Um, whatever. I, 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 Did you talk to Trey too? No, I, I read some comments that he had. So it's, it, it's fascinating to me. I would think it would be intensely, intensely, there'd be a lot of pressure. Think about Joe Doman a year ago. Didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. He wasn't drafted. Went to the combine. Played in the Senior Bowl. Yeah. Um, but he still made the active roster yep. for all seventeen games in Indy. How about blocked that? a punt, scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's. I've talked to Joe Doman and his family, and they're. I mean, he made like nine hundred thousand bucks this year. Oh, hello. Mm-hmm. He had a good year. Good, good rookie yeah. year. He, yeah. yeah. So it's the draft good. being drafted is clearly not end all be all. Look at Travis Vogel; like he didn't get drafted, and like within like minutes of the draft being over, he announced a, or it was reported 
that he signed a free agent deal with the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so he signed with the Ravens. I mean, clearly he was a priority free agent signing for them. Caleb and, Tanner was, and a lot of times, uh, I mean, they were I all that. They were all that first day, so who knows? But like with Vokalek, I mean, he was in a situation where he didn't get drafted, but he got to pick where he wanted to go. Oh, there are, there are people that will tell you. Most people that that know will tell you it's better not to get drafted if if it's the seventh round it's better not you'll to. still get si- you'll get signing right. bonus though that's what it is there's the guarantee with being drafted which i'm telling you i've, I've talked to people who are very convinced yeah, that's that's a, short-term benefit yeah. whereas going to the best situation yeah. for you to actually make a roster that's yeah. the long-term benefit. well and what 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 i've heard is it it's not like if they draft you in the seventh round they look at you differently than they look at a, a, a no. signed free agent no. I mean, it's not. There's no pressure to keep you if you're a seventh or sixth rounder. Now, if you're a third or fourth rounder, there might be a little more pressure on a GM to say, "Keep them around." We better keep them. I mean, we took them, but but after that, there's not no there's no pressure on mm-hmm. on those guys to say we better keep this draft pick over this undrafted free agent. No, there's no throw that out the window. Uh, Brady Weiss, the long snapper, Texans. Did he get an undrafted free agent deal or an invite? Yeah, I so th- there's a difference between a free agent deal and a mini camp invite. Um, he got a mini camp invite. I'm yeah, sure. like Chris Kalarovic got a mini camp yeah. invite. So only an NFL team, I believe, can only have ninety players signed total. Mm-hmm. And so if you get an undrafted free agent deal, deal. you're mm-hmm. in one of those ninety precious spots. Mm-hmm. If you get an invite to the quote rookie mini camp, you get invited for a weekend, praying and hoping that you might get a spot on the ninety. Yeah. Right. But it's really really tough. Yeah, right. It's tough for anybody to make that leap. Yeah. <laughs> that the thing that always makes an impression on me is you see names in the late rounds where you're like, Oh my god, he was good. Or yeah, how about or like Mo Ibrahim did not draft. Not getting drafted. Just not one of the best like backs in the country. Max right. Duggan, how late he went. Yeah. yeah. yeah Max Duggan's a like Deuce Vaughn sixth round. You see Deuce Vaughn fall to the sixth and round. Deuce Vaughn declared he could have come back. Yeah. I mean, if he would have known that you think if Deuce Vaughn knows he's a sixth round pick, does he come back? I don't. That's a good question, mm-hmm. and, and of course he goes to the Dallas Cowboys where his dad is. Yeah. You know, but every year that's what that's what makes an impression on me watching a draft is you see these names that you think, well, these are great players, mm-hmm. not drafted, and then you see like three or four dudes from Old Dominion get drafted. Well, you see some of that too. Yeah, you don't yeah. Giants took one of them. It is crazy though the, the 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 grip of power the SEC and the Big Ten have on the game. And if you take USC, UCLA, Texas, and Oklahoma and add their picks mm-hmm. to the SEC and the Big Tens now, there are more draft picks from those two conferences with 32 teams mm-hmm. than all of football. And mm-hmm. the rest of the conferences combined. All levels. Yep. Yeah, the SEC now has had the most players drafted. The for Big Ten seven, closed the gap, Hold on, though. Sean. The, the SEC has had the most players drafted for 17 straight years. It was like a 62 to 55 gap this year. It wasn't like the Big Ten. Not, big, not I mean, a big gap. I kind of would just like to see the Big Ten get it. just Because 20 of the picks were Georgia and Alabama. 20. 10 and 10. Yeah. And you see like. I mean, the Eagles took the entire Georgia too deep. Yep. I think that's when you talk about SEC, like arrogance. That's what like a Kentucky fan or a Mississippi State fan. And, you know, they're like, they, they act like they're. No, it's Alabama and Georgia. They have 20 of the picks. That's a good point, Sean. And the other team's like, yeah, SEC. I mean, but you could say that about Nebraska pumping their chest about the Big Ten's draft. Cause, yeah, because all the Ohio State dudes. Yeah, there you go. 62-55, ACC 32. Thank you, Megan. Big 12-30, Pac-12-27. Yeah, think how many UCLA, USC, Texas, Oklahoma are going to come off that 30-27 and 27 mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I mean, that it really has – changed quite a bit when you when you just break down what these two leagues and how they've pulled away yeah i mean it's where you want to be if you're i think that's where you want to be if you're a player i I think it's another indication too about you know you look at nebraska's issues nfl talent i mean it's just so lacking and Mm -hmm. this is another example of that where the the best prospect on your team was a six rounder well transfers yeah both both one year rentals yeah you know yeah like that's you want to look at Nebraska's issues and why they've struggled the way they have. It's that I mean, they just don't have the Joes and the right. Jimmies. Like one hundred, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Yeah, when people ask you what's happened, Robin, what's happened, Sean, to Nebraska, start start with that. Mm-hmm. Look at the drafts and look at the lack of all Americans. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over. I want to talk about um, something that they're going to be doing to the practice fields and the new facilities uh, with the grass. Uh, we're going to hit on that and some other topics next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed as uh, portal windows close. Coaches are on the road recruiting. A um, lot to hit on. I want to hit on this, though, because it kind of came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, the Nebraska turf management or facilities Twitter handle makes a tweet that they're bulldozing up the the turf practice field, which if you remember, they they added that additional turf outdoor practice field and Bo Pelini was the coach. Mm-hmm. So you had yeah. essentially two turf fields side by side, the indoor field, the outdoor field, then a grass field. And at one point there was that old soccer field, the track in field, they could practice on that. And too. they did. Mm-hmm. And they did. So you had two grass, two turf. Well, now that, that soccer field, as you know, is the new football facility, uh, but they have torn up the turf outside the Hawk Center, and they're going to put grass down. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with Matt Rule. Um, he wants his players on grass because it's better for for just player. And, and you've heard Matt Rule talk about this, Sip. Mm-hmm. Um, just his job is to make sure these players have everything possible for recovery yeah. and, and training. I think it's what it's about that. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a – I'm not convinced that it's safer on grass – it might, better but on I your think joints, right? On your cuts. I think it's a wear and tear conversation more than that. But yeah, it's fascinating. So that's immediately to the east of the Hawks Championship Center. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty extensive project. You I do remember they, very I mean, well when they put that in. We, we've seen them like throw away turf in the dumpster. You can reuse turf too. Too. I mean, there's you know, like Cardinal Mooney High School in Youngstown had the New Orleans Saints turf from Hurricane Katrina. They, like, brought it up there and put it down out there. I mean, so you've seen people, like, reuse that. I'm curious if it's reusable or if they just throw it away. I remember when they tore up the Memorial Stadium. Like, they did the, not this most recent, but the one before. Uh, I, like, tweeted a picture because there's, like, literally the field hanging out of a dumpster outside the stadium. It was like, anybody wants some turf? Come get it. Like, people were, like, driving down there and, like, take cutting off, like, pieces for their man cave and stuff oh, yeah. like that. So, That's like, idea. you know. I wonder if that'll be available. It's yeah. messy, though. Like all those tire and sand, it's not yeah. something that's easily. But maybe people want that. But yeah, in the stadium itself, they're on the fourth installment of field turf. So the very first one went in 2009. The second one went in 2006. The third one went in 2013. And then they waited all the way until 2022 for the fourth set. So they extended the third turf, the longest of any. It's typically a seven-year product. And they went nine. Yeah. Hmm. And it, it showed. And it showed. I mean, it was starting to look pink. Remember, it was like the, the Husker logo. Oh, the red looked pink. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was like, what is this? Like a breast cancer awareness month type deal? It the looked logo warm. Was like pink on the field. I mean, it just didn't look good. And because of COVID, they used that as like an excuse to like kick the can down the road for the budget. Mm-hmm. And they waited. They put it another couple years down the road. So having a grass field out there, it's, it's interesting to me because it is. I mean, you could have your special teams out there, you know, when just just head right out to that to that field to the east. Now I don't know what you do now if it's raining. I mean, if the if the if the weather's bad, um, you go inside the Hawks, yeah, or you can go in the stadium. And I, I think Matt Rule want to go. In, I think they'll go in the stadium. I think I, I got to think they're going to practice in the stadium more now to mm-hmm. get used to the wind and the angles yeah. and yeah, um, yeah the. It's a, far, cha- it's a major change, I would say. As far as like going to grass someday at Memorial Stadium, it sounds great. I mean, you could like work it in with this college program, the turf management. It'd be the pride and joy where this in-house turf management program would probably oversee it and students would be a part of it. It'd be a big deal, but there's a lot that goes with that. A lot of money goes mm-hmm. into caring for a grass field. Well, and, and it does. It's a it's million. You run into the millions. Say goodbye to high school state football finals. You can't yeah. play six football games in a row and then have a Nebraska game days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've seen examples of grass fields even within the Big Ten when, like, just the, by the end of the year, like, Northwestern's field was just awful. There's yeah. just four like, vis- Visibly terrible. Purdue, right? Northwestern. Michigan State. Yeah. Is Iowa. No. It's oh, Purdue, it's Northwestern, oh. Michigan State, and Penn State. Oh, Penn State. I know I'm a freak. No. <laughs> That's good. That's, That's good. That's good. good. good job. But like, so you see, like early in the year they're beautiful, just like pristine. But then come November, 
You know, it's just, it's just hard to maintain yeah. those. And so you're going to have climate. the other end of that where uh, in theory it's safer, but what's when there's big chunks of, or divots out of it and bare grass, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not always September grass throughout oh, the course of the season. It's a safety issue when there's divots. Yeah. There's a, that's a significant Well, look how many issue. Nebraska dudes have gotten hurt at Purdue. Yeah. Oh, weren't yeah. warming up. Yeah. You know, because their field sucks. Uh, DeBorne personnel. Now, I think that was a, I think he, it was on a, like a sprinkler head or something. I don't know. I mean, we're, Michigan, we're far into the weeds of this turf. Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, it, it's, it's hard in this climate. Remember the 2006 Big 12 championship game in Arrowhead? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How bad the grass was. Yeah. It was I nice. Mean, it was like concrete. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a much better job of manicuring that field in Kansas City, but that year particularly was brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, it's hard, costs a lot of money, and you're not always guaranteed a good surface with grass. And then, you know, this is year two of this turf. So theoretically, Nebraska, to get their money out of what they invested into this new product in the stadium, they got to go seven years on that thing. So this conversation is not really realistic to even think about grass Memorial Stadium because we're, we're years down the road. I think you're right. I mean, unless Matt Rule wants to write it out of his check and, and pay for it himself. But that you know the budget's already spent the money on new turf that's going into now its second season of play. Oh, that'd be incredible if he just said, well, "I want grass in that stadium." That would be inc- that, now that would be a massive story. Well, he's got that kind of power. I mean, look what he did the practice field. Right. I mean, it kind of reminds you like when Frost first came here. He goes, "We're having morning practices yeah. figured out." I mean, yeah. like head coaches get a few of those, you know, decisions where they can sure. make the call, and you know, so, things like this are important. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think we're years out again. And Tre- Trev talked about it on his radio show. Talked about what? Um, the cost of grass. Okay. And, and just. Significant. It be You know, th- that's why, like, high schools have field turf. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's a lot easier. You don't have to mow it. You don't have to fertilize it. Right. You don't have to line it. You don't have to maintain it. You don't have to it. pay people to do that. Yeah. And, and so it, it's a lot that goes in. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it would be... Remember Aviva Stadium? I mean, you couldn't even walk oh, on that thing. Oh, man. I mean, Don't that, even bring that up. That was unbelievable. <laughs> like, that's that how... That was unbelievable. That was beautiful. It was. That I was mean, some of the best a, grass I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Well, it I, was like a blend of turf and grass. I don't, I don't even know. It was breathtaking. Just like a giant putting green. Yeah. It was breathtaking. That stadium is breathtaking. I've never seen grass for football like that pristine. No, I know. And you couldn't walk on it. I mean, we did in pregame, but... Yeah. A little bit. It's like a yeah. national felony to walk on that. I mean, grass. there were like armed guards guarding <laughs> no. the grass. No. What a stadium! <laughs> you can tell I love that trip. God, I love that trip. You want to go back? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, they, they, they that was on a TV. They were playing a soccer match at Aviva mm-hmm. the other day on TV, and I was freaked me out. Like, look at that! Look at that place full. It was beautiful. All right, when we come back, we're gonna take questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore back from Central City. We'll get her full report. <laughs> On that next, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. Let's welcome in uh, the very well-traveled Abby Barmore back from Central City. Um, How was it, Abby? Give us us the rundown. What did you think? And uh, the most important question, did you go to Dairy Queen, Central City? (laughs) Of course I had to go to Dairy Queen. It, you're right. It is a very nice Dairy Queen, especially with like the surrounding city that just looks like it was built when the town was built. But Dairy Queen's like very new and it was awesome. I had to get hey, a blizzard, of is that, course. Is that the Dairy Queen in Central City? Yeah. There you go. Oh, they who have, took that picture? To the left, they have like an original like Dairy Queen sign. Oh, so man. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, that's very handsome. The parking lot's huge. It's family-owned, third-generation family-owned, by the way. We, we heard from um, the proud owners of Dairy Queen last week after our show. So, uh, but the, We should I, say why Abby was in Central City. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is this you inside Just it? She did other things besides go to Dairy Queen. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, talk about the volleyball match, Abby. Um, what, what did you think? Um, what was the atmosphere like? And can they keep topping this and, and finding new creative ways to showcase Nebraska volleyball? The atmosphere out there in Central City was amazing. And that new facility that they just built, the capacity is like 2,100 people, and it was full. They had people standing right behind me. Like, it was. they got as many people in there as they possibly could. (laughs) You got some knees at the back? Yeah. 
It's like I've had people like kicking Cameron my chair. indoor Duke game when they're like right on top of you. Yeah. Nice. Um, but it was fun and everyone was really excited and there was people coming up to us like, man, we're so happy that they're here in Central City and cool. all these things. But as nice. for the game, I guess maybe the most important part, it was good. They swept Wichita State and Wichita State actually kept it a little bit close, which was good for them. As for the Huskers, there was a lot of freshmen that really showed what they could do and gave us you know, bright glimpses of the future. Um, Harper Murray was one of them, actually started an outside hitter over a couple of juniors, Lindsey Krause and Allie Batenhorst. So mm. that was huge. And she hit like 391. Mm. So she, wow. yeah, she really went off and that was fun to see. And there was also people like Lainey Choboy had a lot of big defensive plays and Bergen Riley, who's in the, I guess, matchup going on for the setter, mm -hmm. starting setter job. She did a really nice job and started two of the three sets. So, you know, there's a lot to look forward to and a bright future there for those young players. Who is the – who would you say is – does anybody have a leg up in that – in the setter? You know, they got to determine a starting setter, right? Yeah. Who, who's got a leg up in that? Right now, I want to say that it's Bergen. Interesting. But, True freshman. Um, early She's enrolled. a freshman, and she doesn't have much experience playing at Nebraska. She just has one game under her belt. But she does have a lot of experience playing for USA Volleyball. She actually played for the U.S. national team. with That's like the highest U.S. team that they have mm -hmm. last summer and set against Canada, and they swept them. Mm -hmm. So she has a lot of external experience, mm -hmm. but so does Kennedy Orr. She's a junior, and she has Big Ten experience and also has done some of those U.S. volleyball things. But on Saturday, I would say that Bergen, the way that she ran the offense – was a little bit more consistent and they hit really well with her. I think both of them were close to 400 and that's great for a volleyball team. Oh yeah. Any word Abby on where they could take this game next year? I think the next place that they're going to try to hit is Euling. John Cook has talked a lot about how they just built a new high school gym, right? Is it summer? Yeah, it's Summerlin. Schools. Summerlin. Yeah. Um, we, we drove by there, sip on our drive back from Ainsworth. Ewing. It's a brand new high school housing construction is built. It's Clearwater, Orchard, Ewing. I think okay. it's all mixed together as okay. one okay. Um, consolidated school. It's really nice. Um, and they have a gym kind of like Central City there, um, which that would be an ideal, nice new facility. Uh, but it's cool. I, I love that they do that. All right, let's get to the mailbag, though, Abby. What, what do you have to lead us off with here um, on the mailbag? All right, here we go. What are your thoughts on the quarterback room, and do you think the Huskers should grab another quarterback from the portal or just develop the guys they have? I think they're at the point now where they just have to work with what they have. I, I just don't know what you're going to find that makes sense when the numbers are this tight for Nebraska right now. I mean, you would have liked to add four. They don't have four. They brought in Jack Wolke as a walk-on um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's tough, but you just need three anyway. How many – you can only work three quarterbacks with your top offense in practice. Well, who are you going to bring in? That, that quarterback's going to look at it and say, well, they have their, their starter. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have just a like very – Casey did. Yeah, you're going to have a very limited pick anyway, right? Yeah. The only addition that would make sense to me would be the return of a guy like Logan Smothers. Like, that would be the only thing that would really make sense because he wouldn't have to get caught up. He's already been there. Mm -hmm. But if he wants to start somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah so even Logan, so the like, odds yeah. of even that happening, right. it just seems slim to it's none. It's really hard to keep quality quarterbacks that aren't starting. Go back to like Noah Vedral. you know, they go, oh, this is a legacy guy. He's from Nebraska. He was with Frost at Central Florida. He followed Frost in Nebraska. He'll never leave. Right, he left. He left, and he started at Rutgers. Yeah, the, I aired. I mean, I, I really, I thought they had a shot to have Casey Thompson and and Sims. I don't know why I thought that. Well, part of the reason is because Charles, his dad, was pretty convincing that. What month was that though? It was December. What month are we in right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's May. A lot has changed. Yeah, yeah, and and like you've pointed out, NIL and the portal have changed this dramatically. I mean, he's actually can make real money going somewhere else, and any he, he's he making real start. money here though. Yeah, but and he could start somewhere else. That's the key. All right. He's a 25, 24 to be 25 year old quarterback. He didn't go somewhere to make a lot of money and sit. He wants no. to make a lot of money and start. Yeah. Uh, and, and 
see, in December, yeah. he wouldn't have known there were opportunities, for instance, at Auburn or Florida, which came out of spring, unha- not satisfied with where they were in the quarterback race. So he wouldn't have known that. Then when those things start to develop, when those situations start to develop, the, you know, the conversation changes. Mm-hmm. All right, know. next one. How does the commitment of Ian Flint affect Carter Nelson's decision? It doesn't. Um, I think they're going to take two tight ends. And Carter Nelson's a different kind of tight end than Ian Flint. Carter Nelson's like almost a receiver that will flex out. Uh, but they'll take two tight ends. You look at that scholarship distribution chart, there's definitely room for them to bring in two this year in the class. It's interesting that to listen to people close to Carter Nelson that raise the – like Carter would – I think he'd, he would embrace the idea of playing wide out. You know, he's that – he, I don't think that'll happen, but he's a flex in, tight end. Definitely a flex tight end. He's yeah. not an inline tight end. Not in, in, he, yeah. Which inline tight end? If you're not, that means like with your hand down, blocking right. at the line of scrimmage, almost like as an extra offensive. He'll have end. to do that occasionally for sure. Yeah, like Chase Androff. You know, he he's an inline tight end. Yeah. Almost could be an offensive tackle. Right. And it was brought up like there were people asking if he could, if Nelson could fit like the Bonner role, and then did. No, doesn't no. seem like that. He's that type of no, player. No, somebody asked that on our, our on the chat. chat. Yeah. No, he's not that type of player. He, he doesn't look at all like Bonner. Mm-mm. Bonner's a big, thick receiver. Carter's not that. So they're huge Chiefs fans, the Nelsons, and they oh, love they Travis Kelsey. Okay, I mean there that, you go. That's that's how he wants to yeah. play. Is yeah. like Travis Kelsey. All right, what do you got next? All right, next one. What is the role of Nebraska's new in-house NIL director, mm-hmm. and why is that in position important? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting, um, you know, obviously the schools don't really control NIL. It's still really controlled by the collectives, and, and, and that is still the case here. I mean, the collectives everywhere have the major say as far as the payouts and the money and, 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 and the operation of NIL as, as it's structured right now with state laws. Having an in-house director, I just think it's a title. It's somebody that can work as a liaison to the athletes on campus and, and help them maybe with some direct deals because there is more things that you can do now as an institution. And I think Trev Alberts wants to make sure they have somebody on campus that can do that because the collective is a totally different thing than like having somebody on campus. It's confusing. Yeah. And I know it's uh, by, to do things for one, buy the book, make sure you're not breaking any whatever rules or guidelines are with NIL, but also to f- explore ways that you can diversify your, your NIL within the framework of the current rules. So like, I know one of the big things that Nebraska has really been pushing their collective to try to do is international players and try to get them, find different outlets for them to make money through passive income. So a guy like this, like Jonathan Bateman, could find different ways and explore different avenues for like, say for an international player to be able to make more money at Nebraska than maybe they previously were. So just having someone to spearhead that, I think, is really important. And it shows what? another forward-thinking measure Nebraska's taking. What is passive income? You can't, like, be in a commercial, do a radio show, run a camp. You can have your face be put on a T-shirt. Someone sells a T-shirt, and they give you money. So you can't actively go make money, like, work for the money. But you can get money that's made off of your name image likeness. So Jonathan Bateman, um, if you're, you know, Jamie Vaughn runs the compliance. He makes just a little bit over 200,000 at uh, Nebraska. Jonathan Bateman was kind of the number two making 71,000. So I think NIL has become such a big part that you want to have somebody in that compliance carry the title to oversee that. So, yeah, you know, I, I think there was this, the way it was framed up, it was like they're run, this is not running the NIL, this mm-hmm. hire. Like it, 1890 and oh. the, the collectives out there everywhere, those are still the key pieces um, that you have to have. I mean, if, if they shut down that part of NIL at Nebraska, they'd be in a lot of trouble yeah. because the, that is who is paying the players the monthly payouts right now. The character that could really make this work is Jason Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> the character in Ozark. Um, <laughs> he would be incredible. Marty Bird. In the, in the, yeah, Marty Bird would be incredible in the NIL world. Yes, yes he would. He would. He'd be great. Yeah. All right, Abby, we got time. <laughs> Jason Bateman. Uh, two more. Two quick ones. Okay. How hard will Matt Rule hit the porter, portal once the scholarships go down, and will they if they are still three over? I'm getting the sense they're not really going to. Like, it just, I mean, I, I say that, and then, like, by the time we yeah. post this show, there'll be some guy visiting <laughs> campus. But 
it doesn't feel like they're in a huge hurry just to because I look at what on three has in this portal database. There's not much available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would help you. And you no. pair that with his comments after the spring game yeah. where he didn't seem like he was like going to get on a plane to start no. you know, trying to work a transfer offensive lineman. Like I think if the right guy comes along that they think can immediately help them. Sure. But right now, like you said, Sean, I just don't know the odds of that guy coming about and having an interest enough to commit to Nebraska. It doesn't feel like that at all. I'm with Sean. It, it, his, his demeanor, his attitude toward the portal didn't, it wasn't aggressive. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that sort of mindset at all. I mean, I think he's very conscious about making sure that his players understand he likes the team. That's always, he's always bent that way. And that, uh, that kind of goes along with this discussion. Well, and you don't want to force it. And I think right. what's in the portal now, like at least what you see that's available, it's a, a lot of it's a force. Like mm-hmm. you'd really be trying to force a player in to work mm-hmm. that may not work. And then mm-hmm. you're going to figure that out pretty quickly when they get here that mm-hmm. this guy's not ready to play. Mm-hmm. You don't want to bring a guy in that's just going to be a backup. No, and thus, unless you're talking about a defensive lineman. I mean, there's certain realities, like when we asked, Tony White in, I guess it was January, I think it was January, what, like, what do you still need? And what's he say? Well, we all, you always, all coaches always look for big men, right? So there's that. I mean, if there's a big man that presents himself and is, you know, I'm talking about defensive tackle now, and, and I'm not talking about an edge guy, I'm talking about an interior guy. If that presents itself, yeah, you, you probably take him if he can play. But it doesn't seem like they're on the lookout for much. Well, and if you'd anything, almost, you'd almost rather have that available scholarship or two be kicked over to the next year. Yeah, because you know Frost, I think, was overly aggressive his first year. They added extra players that maybe they shouldn't have. Not out of port, out of the portal, or no, just, just just recruited transfers and recruits in general, okay. a roster additions. Yeah, and I, I think when you look back at it, you would have loved to have those spots for that class of twenty nineteen which was the really good class he had on paper with Wondell Robinson and all mm-hmm. those guys, um, you know, you would have liked to have been able to use those spots then. So um, it's a delicate tightrope, and Matt Rule has to kind of figure out what makes sense. These are fascinating roster conversations. I mean, you had it in your column the other day. Fifteen members of the class of 2022 are gone. Fifteen. Scholarship guys. And some, some of those guys um, <laughs> exhausted eligibility. Yeah. But it really is eye-opening that these guys, 15 players are here for less than a year. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big number. That's All right. Number. Uh, hope, hope they had short-term leases. <laughs> <laughs> final, final question, Abby. All right. We've been talking about Dairy Queen and Central City. So what is your favorite blizzard? Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm an Oreo guy. Okay. Snickers. And there was a point when they took Snickers off the menu Ooh. for a while. Is that right? And that <laughs> actually, it was I went there to get specifically a Blizzard one night, and they didn't have it. And I like tweeted my frustrations about it. Well, the Dairy Queen like national handle tweeted back at me, apologizing. And then you are kidding. When me. they put it back on the menu, they tweeted at me. And You're said, kidding me. It's back. So See, I like to think that I personally had a hand in bringing back the Snickers. Blizzard. Well, I don't think there's any question you did. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome. Right. America. Yeah. (laughs) I would say cookie dough, but I like dilly bars. I mean, if I go there, if I treat myself, I feel like I did something good in this world, I go get a dilly bar. Red. How how many dilly bars are you going to eat at Minnesota? I have a couple. (laughs) I have a couple. Just two? That's it? Yeah, just going to cap it at two? There'll be some nervous. It's going to be hot. They're going to be delicious. It's not like the cold, snowy. How many do you think you should I eat? Two seems like enough. I I was going to say three to four. You know what's really hard to do is go one to per Dairy quarter Queen and eat a full hot meal and then justify getting the ice cream. Like, like it, it's like you're like I'm just screwed if I do this. So like, you have to kind of <laughs> just like screwed. you're making a commitment at that yeah. point. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like you can't be like All right, I'm gonna get the burger, the fries, the drink, and, and a I'm gonna bar. come back up and get a blizzard. Right. You're dictating That's the just, rest of your day and right. probably the next morning. Yeah. At you're that just point. living in deep sorrow, like <laughs> as you hit the gym the next day. Just, I am wedding in deep sorrow, by the way. Yeah. Um, is that it, Abby? What about you? Yeah. Um, I like the Oreo one, but they also have like a chocolate brownie extreme one. Oh, hello. Super good. Oh, hello. Which Big one did you get cow. when you were there? The chocolate At, brownie in Central extreme. City. Extreme. Nice. It was good. Anything it was with good. the word like extreme in it tied to ice cream is interesting extreme. to me. Was, was, it, ice was it extreme? Yeah. Okay. It definitely was. <laughs> there are ice cream cakes too. 
like that's always kind of a nice alternative. Like when your wife's like, "Hey, what do you want for your birthday cake?" You know, yeah, you, you like kids. the DQ ice cream cake, huh? Well, you know, you have young kids; they want right. to do a cake, blow yeah. candles out, and you know, that, that's a good kind of like hey, safe. Let's, let's get an ice cream cake. It's a safety you know, net I, one. They're not for bad. Sure. Yeah, they're good. I've played that card before. And it's quick, too. You can go get it quick. When they first Mm -hmm. come out of the freezer, you need like a chainsaw to cut those things. Which is good. They're they're rock solid. Gives you time for when it's just sitting there on the table and you're trying to round up the kids to sing happy birthday and the candles are burning. Like You need that that thaw. That thaw. Because they come out like a brick. Yeah. You could get a blow dryer if you had to. (laughs) Put it in the oven. I was like, you've had one before. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, we'll close the show. It's been a big week for Fred Hoiberg, Nebraska basketball. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sipple had a great discussion with Abby Barmore in our previous segment. Uh, want to close the show with some recruiting. Um, hit on a few football things, but I want to get on basketball right away with Robin because it's been quite a run for Fred Hoiberg. Uh, they're now at, according to your latest scholarship distribution chart, 12 out of their 13 spots filled. Mm. Josiah Alec, um, who's Younger sister is a Nebraska volleyball player at Nebraska right now. He'll come to Nebraska um, from New Mexico, Lincoln North Star product. Yeah, and according to Abby, he was in Central City at the volleyball game. So uh, could writing was on the wall with that one mm-hmm. um, after his official visit. He was here for the spring game, and it makes a lot of sense. Now, he's not going to be a day one starter. I mean, I guess he could be in certain lineups, but I think his biggest role is just going to be one of, if not the first big off the bench. And a lot of that is going to have to do with Blaze Cada coming off those ankle injuries and uh, the development of Wilhelm Breidenbach. I mean, Alec very much could be the first big off the bench. And in theory, if Nebraska really wanted to go big, they could go rink mast at five, Alec at four, Gary at three. And all of a sudden you've got yourself a beefy front court right mm-hmm. there. So starter or not, he's going to be a critical piece to that rotation, obviously, um, you know the the they also got the day before they got their point guard Aaron Eulis from Iowa. So a pretty productive forty eight hours there for Nebraska. You know I know Eulis guys weren't fans some weren't overly excited about it just because they looked at the stat line six mm-hmm. points per game two, uh, two only assists. two assists uh, were a starter for Iowa who was one of the leading scoring teams in the country. So like they're like what's going on there. But the guy started 27 games last year for an NCAA tournament team. Uh, he's a proven Big Ten level player. Um, that he's had his ups and downs, like anybody. Uh, but he gives Nebraska what they needed in terms of they needed a point guard. They needed someone that can facilitate. Oh, yeah. They needed someone that can defend mm-hmm. on the perimeter, which he has no issue doing. And they didn't need a score. They didn't need to go get Alonzo Verge. You know, mm-hmm. some guy that's going to drop 15 a game. What they needed was someone to complement. Kase Tomonaga, assuming he comes back, Jamarcus Lawrence, Bryce Williams, Rink Mast, all those guys that they brought in. And so I think that Euless does that, um, especially with his experience at this level that Nebraska's playing at. He's not a guy moving up. He's been there, done that, and won at a high level. So yeah. uh, I, those two additions, to me, kind of fit uh, the the whole plan for this offseason, which is kind of a continuation of last offseason, where they're not getting the flashiest players in the portal. They're not going to go get the number one ranked transfer uh, and, and play in that game. What they're doing is getting the best available player who is the best possible fit for what they already have on their roster. Whereas before, the past three years, or the first three years under Hoiberg, they were just getting the best player and hoping it fit together. Now it seems like they're recruiting with a plan. A fit. And, and, and trying to find guys that fit mm-hmm. certain roles and mm-hmm. complement one another and are just as good of players as they are people off the floor, where they're bringing that culture and that character that they spent all last year trying to build with, with Greasel, Bandamel, and the like. Yeah, Alec and this Iowa guy, they do, they do fit in that. You know who your shooters are. Mm-hmm. Lawrence is a shooter. Casey uh, is a great CJ. shooter. Yeah, C.J. Welch is a shooter. Bryce Williams, the transfer from Charlotte. Those are your shooters. Those are your scorers. You didn't need a point guard, like you said. You didn't need a point guard to come in in that role. And you didn't. Alec doesn't need to be in that role. Alec was a reliable player at New Mexico. He started 32 games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very reliable. He's very reliable at Kansas City too. 
I yeah. mean, two he's years. He's tough. He's gritty. Yeah. I mean, he brings that mentality. Yeah, he was a 15.6 rebound guy at Kansas City, then a 12.6 rebound guy at Kansas City, and then went to New Mexico, and I think he was 8-6, and six, started all the time. I mean, started 32 games. You know what he's bringing. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't, he doesn't have to be a scorer here. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think that that's kind of the – you want to talk about the big picture of what they've assembled so far. And what's crazy, as of recording time – as on the on three team transfer rankings, Nebraska's fourth in the country right now Whoa, with that four man class. Yeah. So, I mean, that can change by the hour based on, you know, further commitments. But as of the, us talking right now, they're fourth in the nation. And so they're, they're getting good players, but more importantly, they're getting players that fit the core that they were able to establish last year. And that's the biggest difference for me is it's not just resetting the roster offseason like they've done the last four years. They're building upon a foundation that they were able to set last year with Lawrence, Wiltshire, uh, you know, Kata, you know, Gary, you know, those types of guys, Tomonaga, that you're not starting over from scratch. You, you have that layer, and now you're, you're supplementing as opposed to completely revamping your roster. This looks like a team to me, Rob, that um, can finish in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. It does. They, they it have does. that potential. This is by far the deepest team yeah. Fred has had. And, you know, the Big Ten seems wide open right now yep. where everybody's going through a lot of roster turnover and, uh, you know, turmoil this offseason. So, you know, a lot has to come together. Uh, you know, they, they need these additions to be uh, impact players. Rink Mast, yeah. I mean, he's got big shoes to fill. Yeah, uh, he does. Know, Bryce Williams has got to come in and, and be a scorer. Uh, you know, they, they need Tomonaga to be the Tomonaga from February, March, and not November, December. So there's a lot that is kind of in the balance there. But you can at least create the idea that they've set themselves up to take another step forward. Oh, I think so. Where come March, they're talking about being not only a bubble team, but maybe even being a, a cemented NCAA tournament I got to tell you, I think a lot differently if Kese wasn't part of the picture. Yeah, because then scoring suddenly becomes a real question. Right. You wonder, you'd wonder a lot more about the offense. Now, Robin, um, a couple notable in-state offers made – one from my old neck of the woods, Omaha Bryan, and then one from where I live in the area we live now, Lincoln Southwest. Um, give us the lowdown on these two 2025 offers Nebraska made this week from Omaha Bryan, which I don't, I mean, they've had some good players there, but they haven't had a guy of that caliber, a high D1 guy out of that program. And I grew up in that area. So, I mean, they've, they've had some guys go D1, but no, nowhere like Nebraska. Yeah, Amari Bynum. Uh, Say the name. Amari, like Amari Stardomar. Stoudemire, uh, Bynum. It's Omar uh, Bynum's kid. Yeah, former Iowa State. I got dunked on by Omar Bynum. That's... <laughs> of course. We'll revisit. So that. he's he's a big kid who is raw, but there's a lot of potential there. And how people, big? Uh, he's in the six. I guess I don't know for sure. Six, six, eight, six, nine. Maybe even taller than that. So and probably still growing. So uh, he's been on Nebraska's radar for a while. He's unofficially visited a couple times last season. Went to some games. And, you know, this, this is a Nate Lenzer guy where Nate, the work that he's done scouring the state for these long-term prospects, mm-hmm. you're talking about two offers to 2025 kids and the first offers for both of those guys. And so Nebraska's getting their foot in the door early on what they feel like are the next crop of high major talent in the state. And the next one, the day after, or a few days after was uh, Braden Frager from Lincoln Southwest. He's a six, six ish uh, wing who can jump out of the gym, freak athlete, uh, and you know is really having already an impressive spring on the AAU circuit, um, on the ETG AAU program. Uh, so interesting offers because you don't usually see, or it's it's rare that Nebraska has offered in-state prospects this early. You know, to where they're the first ones in the door, and it's notable that uh, shortly after. Braden Frager got his Nebraska offer. Creighton offered. Oh, so copycats! If, if there was any, Hello. if there was any doubt about right. Nebraska reaching on this kid, right? That should tell you everything you well, need to know. Because he wasn't. I mean, Lincoln Southwest obviously had Chucky Love. Is, and he, is he coming back to Southwest mm-hmm. next year? I believe now? so. so. I haven't heard any. They otherwise. have Chucky Love's uh, Junior and Frager, mm-hmm. Jackson Carpenter, who's a D one athlete. Wow, that, there's there's some Jabba Chamber, yeah, Jabba's kid, Jabba's yeah. kids on that team. Carter. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some notable. Uh, yeah, for sure. So they should kids be pretty good on that Southwest team. Um, but yeah, back to Bynum, isn't there an Iowa State connection there? Because Omar played at Iowa State, um, Linzer, Fred. I mean, do you think there's some kind of 
inner Iowa State tie with Could Omar be. Bynum just from the Iowa State days? Could be. I, I don't know anything on that for sure, but that would make sense, um, you know, with their connections there. But again, this is the guy they, they, they identified a long time ago, months ago, to where, you know, he was, he's part of a group that made several visits. Uh, there's a few kids from Miller North that have made visits and whatnot, but, um, you know, the, the, for all the angst and criticism that has gone towards Nebraska basketball for its in-state recruiting, that has completely flipped with Nate Lenzer taking over as their primary in-state guy. And you know, the, the work that he's done reestablishing those connections with local high school coaches, with, you know... He does it kind of quietly, doesn't he? Yeah, you know, no, he definitely doesn't put himself out there, uh-huh. which is fine, because right. he's, get, he's getting the work done and he's identifying the Bynums and the Fragers before anybody else. Yeah. And he's getting Nebraska to be that first offer. The home state school was these in-state kids' first offer. Right. That, that means a lot, and that's going to carry a lot of weight, especially if these guys end up blowing up a year or two down the road. All right, lots to keep up with this weekend. Um, Robin will obviously on Nebraska basketball, keep everyone up to date on that stuff. He is the man when it comes to, like, I'm, we're lucky to have this guy. Pretty so. obvious, isn't it? Like, Pretty obvious. All right. All, all right, right, that's enough. He ruins a lot of people's <laughs> weekends. When he yeah. drops the, yeah. Because he, he is the man with right. covering this Husker basketball stuff, and we're lucky to have Robin. So follow Robin him, Sean. Uh, in his work <laughs> on Husker Online. Sips uh, my agent. Yeah. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. Hey, hey, um, Husker baseball this weekend as well. So uh, make sure you check us out. If you're not a subscriber to our YouTube page, download, like, follow us. Also find us anywhere you can find podcasts. And we've got a great special on Husker Online right now. Get access to our site for $30 all the way until August 31st. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 